you got to get passionate about this thing. If the cross doesn't move you, nothing will move you. I'm offering you something that's greater than silver and gold. I'm offering you something that's greater than an increase in your pay on your job. I'm offering you a... There's no shortcuts to the glory. We've got to get past week-to-week living. We've got to multiply our prayer life. We've got to multiply our efforts. And we are willing to give. God will always give it back to us in good measure. That is pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Hey, thanks for checking out our Christian Life Church podcast. You will be hearing from one of our pastors or guest speakers, either at our Frankfurt or Lebanon campus. Prepare your hearts and your minds to receive a word from God. Thanks for listening. Enjoy and receive this message. Wow, what a, what a powerful song. What a powerful presence of God that I sense today. Oh, my, my, what a great spirit of the Lord. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for watching. I want to engage your mind for a few minutes and your heart. And I pray that God speaks to you. I have felt for the last two or three days that God specifically was going to speak to some hearts this morning as I bring the word. I hope that you remove all distractions that you may have today and focus in on what God is wanting to speak to your heart today. Genesis chapter 9, and I'm just going to read one verse from Genesis chapter 9, and that's verse 28. And the scripture simply says, And Noah lived after the flood. 350 years. 350 years. I want that to sink in for a moment. After the flood, he lived 350 years. I'm going to speak to you for a few moments today, living after the flood. God, I pray right now that your spirit moves and speaks to hearts as you have already prompted mine and as you have already dealt with me this week, God, I pray that you deal with hearts and minds now, Lord, as I speak the word that you gave for me to speak to your people today. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. In June of 2008, It was a year of heavy rainfall here in Indiana, specifically in central Indiana and south central Indiana. Heavy rainfalls occurred upstream of Columbus, Indiana, and Haw Creek, which is a small stream that flows through the center of Columbus, Indiana, was affected the greatest in that area. This rainfall caused a sudden flash flood which occurred through the middle of Columbus. The flood took the town by surprise since the rain was upstream up toward the Indianapolis area. Columbus had no way of knowing what was coming. Many homes, more than 70 businesses were damaged including 
$125 million worth of damage that happened in the Columbus Hospital and another $100 million that happened to to Caterpillar Diesel Engine Manufacture Center there in Columbus. So when 12 inches of rain fell in just over two hours, Haw Creek couldn't handle the floodwaters and it overran its banks. The water rose seven feet above the worst flood that was ever recorded in history in that area, which occurred all the way back in 1913. The water ran through their streets, unconcerned about the value or historical significance of buildings and belongings that destroyed homes and businesses alike. My friend, our district superintendent, pastors there, 16 families in his church lost belongings and at least part, partial homes, if not complete homes and belongings during and because of the rising floodwaters. One of my dear friends, Reggie and Gwen McLaurin, who are ministers on staff at the Sanctuary Church there in Columbus, lost most of their homes and many of the belongings in their home. It was a tri-level home that was filled with water. When I ran into him a few weeks, few months after the event in 2008, I asked Brother McLaurin about his home and about their loss and about how they were coping with things after their loss. He said, Brother Jordan, everything is going to be okay. He said, we refuse to let anything stop us. When they finally got things back together, he said, life was better than it ever was before. Their walls that were once marked up now had a fresh coat of paint. The carpet that was old and worn now was replaced with brand new carpet. Their family moved back into a better home than they had before the flood came. I came today to tell somebody that is listening online that life doesn't end just because a flood comes into your life. But I came to preach to you today that there is life after the flood. I came to remind somebody today that we may have been caught off guard with what has come upon us. But God was never caught off guard. This was all part of His divine plan. I believe that God is getting ready to call His church out of this world of sin. And everything that I'm seeing in this day is pointing toward the coming of the Lord. If I were you today, I would be thinking about getting ready for his coming. If you're not ready, you need to get ready. If you've not repented of your sins, you need to repent of your sins. If you have not been baptized in Jesus' name, I'll meet you here and baptize you in the name of Jesus Christ. And if you want somebody to pray with you, and if you've never received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, I want to tell you today our ministers are ready. All you've got to do is make a comment. Let us know who you are. We'll set up a time. We'll meet you here, and God will fill you with the baptism of his Spirit.
I suggest you get ready because his coming is very near. You need to get ready. You need to make sure that your family is ready. God is serving the world notice. It came in an instant. It caught us all off guard. But the Bible says that his coming is going to be very similar. He's going to come like a thief in the night. It's not, this is no time for us to just, just kind of goof our way through and waste away some time while we're all quarantined inside our home. But I want to tell you this is an opportunity for us to change some habits in our lives, some habits in our home, some habits in our family. God is not going to waste your time or my time. It, it, this is an opportunity God has given us to save our homes and our families. I want to refer to you into our text today that I read a small portion. A great part of Noah's life was spent preparing the ark. As a matter of fact, the Bible said about 120 years that Noah spent building the ark, preparing the ark, preaching and telling people God is going to send a rain. This ark is going to be for the saving of my home and the saving of my family. Only five months, listen, only five months of Noah's life, he lived on the ark. It was only five months during the flood and its aftermath. We think we have it bad. Noah spent five months on an ark with a bunch of smelly animals that God was choosing to save through him. But ultimately, it saved Noah's family. And that was the purpose that God was giving us, a plan and an idea, quarantine inside the ark. He was able to see his family saved. But then the Bible tells us something that is so very powerful that I read into your hearing at the beginning of this message. And that is that Noah lived 350 years after the flood had passed. I want that to sink in today. We often fail to notice that the majority of Noah's life was not spent in the flood. It wasn't even spent preparing for the flood. It wasn't spent before the flood. But the majority of Noah's life was spent after that the flood had come into his life. There's a lot of people you know and I know. There's a lot of people that are known by their floods. That is the family that lost their home. That is the marriage that ended in divorce. That is the man that was hurt by what someone said. That was the child whose life was forever changed by a flood. The living that Noah did after the flood was what separated Noah from everybody else. The flood was the defining event in his life. But how he handled the flood is what set Noah apart from everyone else. Everybody else lived during the building of the, of the ark. They, they lived during the preaching that the flood was going to come. But they didn't want to believe a preacher that was telling them, get ready, get your family ready, get on the ark. The world could have been saved. But they chose to reject a preacher that came and told them that the end was near. Everybody lived during the building of the ark. But only one man and his family 
lived after the flood. It was because everything that Noah was doing was preparing for his salvation and the salvation of his family. He gave us a pattern in his word of how we can be saved and how our families can be saved. I want to ask everyone that is listening today a very important question. In the middle of this dark hour, are you planning on life after this flood? Are you already making plans for what you're going to do after the flood? Are you thinking about cookouts? Are you thinking about family get-togethers? Are you thinking about gathering with your friends? Those things are wonderful. But I want to ask you, where does does the plan of God come into the picture in your life? None of us know what tomorrow may bring. None of us know how our personal lives may be affected by the flood that is coming on us right now. Nobody knows what tomorrow may hold. I've received calls. I've received text messages. We're praying for friends that live around us and in the vicinity of north central Indiana, nervous, worried about this flood, this pandemic that rests upon us right now. I ask you, are you planning for the life that you're going to live after? After the flood. This is the day of salvation. Somebody needs to begin to plan now as soon as I can get back into the house of God. I'm going to church. I'm turning my life around. I'm taking my children to church. My wife and husband and I will be in the house of the Lord. We're going to get things straight in our life. Because the most, the greatest promise that you have today is is the promise that God gave to Noah and said, I'll never, I'll never destroy the world again with a flood. I come today to tell you that this flood was not sent to destroy you. This this flood, this pandemic came to, to cause us to realize where we are in God's great timetable and how quickly life can change but I believe that I came with a word today to tell somebody you have a lot of living left to do after this flood passes over I want to speak to those that have been battling with depression during this time of social distancing you have a lot of living left to do. Can I speak to those who are living in fear every day? I want to tell you there's a lot of life left after this flood passes over. I'm not minimizing what is upon us because this pandemic is very serious. It's critical. It's a major event that I believe is reshaping the world and how the world will look when things pass over. But how you handle this hour, how you handle this flood will have everything to do with what your life is going to look like when this flood passes over because this too shall pass and God is going to turn the light on in somebody's life because I believe he sent me to tell somebody listening online today you failed God you've lived your own way you've gone your own direction but God is saying it's not too late get your life right get your family right get back in the house of the Lord there's more life for you after the flood than before and during the flood When this tragedy struck, it seemingly came out of nowhere. And life seemingly stopped 
in the matter of a few days, we went from everybody employed to the highest level of unemployment of our lifetime. But I came with a word today to tell you there is going to be life after this flood passes over. In 1965, my mother and father lost a child that was only 14 days old. I know it's not a pretty story to share today, but I have a point and a reason for sharing this with you. It was a real trial for them and our family. The doctor said that my mother would never be able to have another child. I can't imagine the grief that my mother and my father went through in those days after losing a 14-day-old child. But seven years later, without a warning and against all the doctor's predictions, I came along. I'm telling you that story to tell you that regardless what the doctors say, there's life. After the flood. There's life after the flood. Oh, life hadn't always been great for me. I can tell you I've dealt with death. I've been at death's door. I've been betrayed by friends. I've suffered loss. I've lost friends. I've fought with depression. I've battled through days of tears. I've walked through poverty. I've overcome my own fears. They've said my ministry was over. They predicted my demise. They said I would never make it, but I'm in this pulpit today, potentially preaching to the world preaching to somebody else in your dark hour that there is life coming after your flood don't quit don't give up don't stop there's life after the flood it's not over until God says it's over Job's wife said Job why don't you curse God and die But Job said in Job chapter 13 in verse 15, Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost today speaking to somebody's life, saying, come on, get the courage to believe you're going to have a better life when this is over. You're going to make some changes that are going to prosper your future. You're going to do things that are better for your family, better for your home, better for your future. What's Job saying? Job's saying life's going to be better when this is over. In in the 19th chapter, in the 25th verse, he said, For I know my Redeemer liveth, and that he shall stand in the latter day upon the earth. And though after my skin worms destroy this body, yet in my flesh, he said, I shall see God whom I shall see for myself and mine eyes he said shall behold him what is Job saying he's saying there's going to be life after the flood and he's saying when this storm is over you're going to be able to see the prosperity of God's people the prosperity of the church the prosperity of your family the prosperity of the kingdom of God because in the last days saith God 
God, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. How is it going to happen? Because churches all over the world are ramping up through social media. We're getting the word out. Our neighbors and friends and families are hearing a message that they've never heard before. It's God getting us ready for that great day when he's going to call the church home. The prophet Ezekiel listed Noah, Daniel, and Job as righteous men in Ezekiel chapter 14 and verse number 14. He said those three, Noah, Daniel, and Job were in it. They should deliver but their own souls by their righteousness. That word means by their right living or their decisions to live in a right moral lifestyle. Saith the Lord God. What was it that defined Noah, Daniel, and Job? For Noah, it was a flood. Before the flood, Noah built an ark. During the flood, the ark saved his family. After the flood, his family replenished the earth as we know it today. What about Daniel? For Daniel, he's known for his lion's den. Before Daniel was in the lion's den, he interpreted the king's vision. But after Daniel went through the lion's den, Daniel had his own vision. For Job... Job lost everything that he had except his own life. Before losing it all, Job was the wealthiest man in the East. After his trouble, God gave him back twice as much as he originally had. And they all lived through it. The flood didn't keep Noah from living. The lion's den didn't keep Daniel from living. Losing everything he had didn't keep Job from living, but they all came out the other side better than what they went in to it. The fact that they all lived through it is the point of the story. What matters the most is the living that we do after the storm passes over. What matters most are those who survive after the flood. John the Revelator leaves us some promises. He who overcomes, or, or let me put it in, in these words, he that overcomes or he that lives through it. He that lives through it, he said in Revelation 2, he that overcometh or he that lives through it will I give to eat of the tree of life. In Revelation 2 and 11, he that overcometh or lives through it shall not be hurt of the second death. Revelation 2 and 26, he that lives through it, he that keepeth the works unto the end to him will I give power over the nation in Revelation 3 and 5 he that overcometh he that overcometh he that lives through it the same shall be clothed with white raiment and I will not blot out his name out of the book Revelation 3 and 12 he that lives through it I will make a pillar in the temple of my God in Revelation 3 and 21 to him that overcometh or to he that lives through it I will grant 
grant to sit with me on my throne in Revelation 21 and 7. He that overcometh or he that lives through it shall inherit all things and I will be his God and he shall be my son. So much depends on what we do in the storm and how we plan to live when we come out the other side of it. Floods are going to come, but you must make up in your mind. I will live through it. Isaiah chapter 59 and verse 19. The writer says it like this. When the enemy comes in like a flood. That sounds like COVID-19 to me. When the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord shall raise up a standard against him. I come to preach something positive to somebody today. When this enemy came in, the Spirit of the Lord began raising up a standard. You've just got to make up your mind. The Spirit of the Lord is lifting up a force against the enemy that is wanting to destroy you. What you dealt with before, you're not going to deal with after because God has stepped on the scene. God's going to take care of it all. Right now where you are, I want to pray for you. Right now where you are, every need right now, if you just close your eyes in your living room and allow me to pray. If I could just pray over you right now, open your mouth and your heart and pray with me right now by the power and authority of the Word of God. I speak faith over every person that is in the midst of the storm. I preach faith over every person that is going through a battle for their life and for their family. I pray right now, oh God, that every person that has been looking at the battle and watching the news and keeping track with all the bad reports that are coming in, that today would be a turning point and that they would stop listening to the report of the naysayers and they would begin to look at what God is going to do in their life when they come out the other side of it. 350 years, the majority of their life, Lord, into the future, that you're going to bless them and bless their family and bless their home because of the decision they make today. In the name that is above every name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, God bless you today. I'm gonna see a victory. I'm gonna see a victory. For the battle belongs to the Lord. I'm gonna see a victory. I'm gonna see a victory for the battle belongs to the Lord. I'm gonna see a victory. I'm gonna see a victory for the battle belongs to the Lord. I'm gonna see a victory. I'm gonna see a victory for the
you take what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it for good you turn it for good so you take what the enemy meant for evil you take what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it for good you turn it for good you take what the enemy meant for evil you take what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it for good you turn it for good you take what the enemy meant for evil you take what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it for good you turn it for good yes you take what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it for good you turn it for good For the 